so I do stuff now. I'm like, oh, well, maybe this will be useful for uh, a discussion. So I watch things that I wouldn't have watched before. Like I watched, uh, uh, let's see, is it Morbius? Is that what it's called? Oh, <laughs> did you? you? That? Oh, I watched that. I did watch that, yeah. You was... watched that? Dude, I, I, hey, you know, I, this is, this is, I believe for the podcast, you know, that, that was, that's what that yeah, was. That was awful. Oh, we, we don't need to talk about it. It does not need any airtime. But I wanted to say that I, I did that for us. Welcome to Issues on Issues, a weekly podcast series brought to you by the team at Brilliance, where we share our take on all aspects related to the graphic novel industry. We discuss and debate current events within the comic community and allegorical themes illustrated in various creative works. This week, we meet with Eric Cooper, owner and organizer of Black Label Comic Con. We discuss issues of interest, including Far Sector by N.K. Jemison and Jamal Campbell, Needlehawk's Nightmare Blog by Rodney Barnes, and Public Domain by Chip Zardarsky. But first, we have some fun looking back at the best of 2022. Please be advised that our conversations may contain spoilers of the works discussed. Stick with us for more right after this quick commercial break. Comic book creators, revolutionize your platform, supercharge your value, engage your fans like never before. Welcome to Brilliance. Current e-publishing models limit your access to readers, impose pricing restrictions, and offer tiny royalties. Brilliance is a new e-publishing platform. At Brilliance, crowdfund concepts, connect with your readers, set your prices, and enjoy royalties that endure. Let's establish this new paradigm together. Learn more at Brilliance.io. That's Brilliance.io. Sign up today to publish for free. All right, fellas, it's that time of year. It's coming to an end. Um, this is going to be the wrap for our, our first season. It's been a it's been a hell of a season. I've enjoyed it. Um, and, and um, you yeah, know, we talked about it. Let's take this time and, and let's look back at the year and, and um, let's celebrate some of the things that, that we experienced um, and, and shared or, or discussed. So I'm going to tee it off to you, Britt. Well, what do you what did you enjoy this year? Yeah, man. I uh, just want to say happy holidays to everybody out there celebrating. I hope everybody's in a warm, comfortable place surrounded by people they love. Um, I just want to talk about some stuff that I love from the last year, you know, just give some love to the key, key culture. And um, I want to start out with my favorite thing from the, I want to say maybe phase four of the MCU uh, this year, or I well actually the end of last year, which was Hawkeye, which was the Disney plus show that kind of ended the season, uh, ended the year last year. And, you know, kind of focused on the Christmas season. Uh, A lot of the show was about uh, Clint trying to get back home for Christmas to his family and uh you know it went on this really amazing venture uh and i thought the whole run was really great the whole season it really followed or at least it gave the spirit of the matt fraction run uh of hawkeye which was one of my favorite comic book uh runs uh especially because it's a superhero who's not very super he was just doing like regular ordinary stuff but uh it really gave you a glimpse into you know why hawkeye is 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 a hero why we should consider him a hero because i mean you know he goes out of his way to help people who, you know, ordinarily probably wouldn't, you know, give him a second look, you know, and he's just that kind of hero. He's kind of dude. 
And uh, that was my favorite thing uh, from the phase four of MCU. So I just want to give a shout out to Hawkeye. I loved it. Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I um, Yeah, I, I love that run. And, and you put me on to the Matt Fraction, Hawkeye. You, you told me a few times, like, you got, you got to read it. You got to read it. And a while back, I did read it. And I loved it. This was way before it came out. And I, I agree with you 100%. They, they captured the essence of that that run so well um bringing in kate bishop the just the the tone and everything it was it was lucky the pizza dog come on dog right right <laughs> it's a, it's a perfect man we like just like the whole the car scenes with the with the russians and stuff it was just it was yeah. just spot on um, tracksuit mafia yeah yeah it was, just, it was great i really i really enjoyed that book and um the the show was was different but it really had that essence and it was fun i i want to give some love you know, outside the show, um, one of my favorite animes uh, came back and it had its fourth season this year on HBO Max. So if you if you have a chance, go check out um, Young Justice Phantoms. We'll watch all the seasons, but Phantoms is, is the name of the season four. And I think they did a great job. I love what's going on over there. Uh, you know, uh, I think it's uh, Wiseman. I forget his first name, uh, the guy who does it. But I mean, that. It's it's a great show. It's a great look into the young, uh, younger heroes in the DC universe, and uh, maybe that's what James Gunn's gonna do. But I think he might lean into some of the younger characters, and if he goes that route and uses any of the storylines or any of the characters from that TV show, I am on board for the future of the DC universe. Okay, so if he does that, I, I'm not familiar with all the young. I mean, I, I read, I watched some of the Young Justice. Um, if if he goes that route, is he, you think it's gonna be like campy? Do you think it's gonna be the the tone of let's say um, Wednesday? Do you think it's gonna he's gonna have that tone? I haven't checked out Wednesday yet. I heard it's really great though. Um, but I mean, it's it's James Gunn, right? So you're gonna get like Guardians of the Galaxy type mm-hmm. vibes, you know? Wait, what was your thought of Wednesday? You didn't? Did you not like Wednesday? You thought it was? No, I like a little Wednesday. corny. I, I enjoy okay. it. Um, but I'm just curious on what tone is he going to set is, and is it going to be consistent, you know, because I do think that, you know, we've talked at, at length about the opportunity that DC has about going dark and, and R, you know, versus Marvel and Disney, you know. They well, really also, one thing one thing about uh, Young Justice, it's not campy at all. Like they deal with a lot of stuff. People die. Um, it's it's real. It's, it's, it's not as campy as you think. If anything, Harley Quinn is campy but i mean they're just it's 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 not kitty <laughs> harley quinn is not a kitty show at all but it can be campy you know i i do feel like dc can be fun if they, if, if I, I would i wouldn't mind a fun dc universe as long as they nail the character uh the characters and the essence of who they're you know depicting on screen that's all i'm saying mm. Mm. yeah and i just feel like they could just do they could do both they don't have to do one or the other so yeah yeah i mean yeah if they can nail it go for it well something i'm enjoying and i haven't finished yet but i've been making my way through i'm on final season season four of attack on titan i don't know how when that came out but i've been watching it this year and you know i i forced myself through the first season oh you got to do that too you got to force yourself through the first season Uh, yeah season one is tough it's slow it was it was some work it is. It is work. And confusing. You don't yeah. know what's going on. Yeah. But um, I'm on season four, so I'm on the other side of it. And I'm just like, just eating them up. Just like candy. It's, it's, it's awesome. So, 
so, so just just real quick, like what is going on in season four? Where I am right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So this is clearly spoilers, people. So if you if you haven't watched Attack on Titan, whoop, whoop, spoiler <laughs> alert, spoiler alert. Maybe if you, you haven't done the work, you know you're gonna have to. You should, fast fr- you should probably frame what Attack on Titan is too. Ah, one of you guys can do all that. I mean, oh, come on, man. You've been four seasons in, you man. You you ready? Well, I mean, the the basic premise is the world is basically uh, destroyed by giant zombies who just are out for everyone's blood and the only way to survive is to stay behind these giant walls that's just a quick synopsis of, of the show if, if you ask me but like what Britt was saying just to give a quick synopsis it is you know it, it takes place in, in some it looks like uh, like the 1800s kind of time period where everything's a little bit old-fashioned and in a village this um protected by huge walls and so the whole the whole issue is about these people trying to to keep their civilization alive and try and fend off these titans and and the the mystery evolves as they learn more and more about the the secrets of their people and and the world inside the gates and inside the 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 walls and outside the walls but yeah it's it's a great story a lot of stuff, a lot of symbolism images. And, and the fun, the fun thing is, um, uh, one, one of my friends that, um, you know, he's, he's really into anime and, and sci-fi and, you know, he's, he's an avid listener of our, of our show. So we would, every week we would talk about, you know, books that we're reading and, and anime and stuff like this. And this was one of the things he, like every week he'd be on me like, Hey, did you read? Did, did you, did you watch? Where are you? Where are you? You know? And, and we would talk about this. There's just so many different, um, issues that you can talk about societal um issues that come up in this uh anime and particularly if you if you do it as you go because <laughs> every every episode seems like oh and there's a new twist that you didn't know about <laughs> and it's like oh okay now i have a different perspective uh, but yeah it's good good show yeah it says that uh season four or the final season is plans to start in the beginning of 2023 so look forward to that yeah exactly so they're gonna wrap it up they're gonna end it then that's what they say i mean Okay. If if you saw it as far as I've seen it, it, it it's gonna end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, just win. So I'm glad. I'm glad it's gonna end this year. That's good. It's good stuff. Another season of Rick and Morty came out. I don't know if you guys uh, caught that. Oh, it, was, it was it wasn't good though. Oh, tell me good? about it. What? I'm still I'm like still it, going man. through it. Look, look, look. When the last season ended, right? You found out a lot of things about Rick. And about Morty, like the and the the evil Morty, you found out about you know the the whole antagonist in Rick's life that made Rick who he is, and they just dropped that whole storyline for a season. So seasons one through five, they're building up like who was Rick and why is Rick motivated and why is Rick act the way he does and why are there all these Ricks, and then like how do you and and they answer all that stuff in, at the end of season five, like yo, the reason there are all these Ricks is because Rick created like a bubble and created like a sub-universe within the universe where only he is in only one type of him exists and in, in multiple different variations and then like they leave you like okay like the next season we're going to like even go further with this and they don't season six is like a complete like they they were like they're buying time like oh we don't really know where to take the story so we're going to spend season six just coming up with these like dis- disjointed episodes that are incredibly convoluted they're meta they're very convoluted but they're not satisfying at least to me they weren't satisfying i watched them and i was like Ugh. 
every every time one popped up in my queue every week, I was like, or every four weeks, however frequently they do, which is there's no real like cadence to when they drop episodes. But every time I watch it, I'm like, oh man, this is it's a letdown. This one's a letdown too. I I didn't like this season, man. And it's the only season I didn't like or recommend. Well, I did. I did hear, um, particularly the the episode "Full Metal Full Meta uh, Jack Rick." I did hear uh, that one was a little bit much as far as it was meta on meta, <laughs> a little bit yeah. too much. Um, but you never know. I mean, I think these these artists, these creators are extremely talented, and yeah. may, maybe they got something in the works we just don't see yet. Like a Kevin Feige, maybe this is you know a new arc, a new phase that we just don't see yet. No, they they went back at the end of season six. They basically acknowledged that, like, hey, like, okay, this we this is not the arc we want to be on, and um, we're gonna get back to that arc that we left at the end of season five. Like, there's just like, it's just a statement. It, I'm not ruining anything for anybody. It just says, you know, at the end of the the sixth season, they're just kind of like, let's get back to season five. Um, do they re- do they revisit the evil Morty? No, is he called Evil Morty? Is he? Is he evil? Yeah, or is he just just not you know Rick's puppet? He's like the the Rickest Morty out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they don't. He's not. He doesn't appear or get mentioned. And then in the beginning of um, season six, they do talk about the other Rick, but then that's it. They just drop it. Like done. The Rick, Rick do you watch uh, Rick and Morty at all? Uh, I've seen a couple episodes, but I'm not like a huge fan of it. I, I like Pickle Rick, and I like the. Uh, <laughs> That's a great. Uh, there was what, there's one where uh they do the multiverse thing where the the, sc- the screen keeps splitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a good one too. I like I, I like those two episodes. I, I but I I don't really unless I see those episodes, I'm not really watching it. <laughs> if you like those episodes, you'd probably like the episode where um, Morty gets a reset button. So he's like basically Rick makes him a do-over button, so he starts living his life, and then like whatever he whatever decision he makes, it's not great. He just pushes the do-over button. Uh, it's a it's a good episode, man. Okay, yeah, no, I I I hear about it. I need to check it out. Yeah, there are some there's some gems in there, but you know I wouldn't suggest you watch them all. But there are some good ones. Man, I, I like yeah. almost every single one of them. I think I think they're great. <laughs> I just can't get that the 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 little like drool on his mouth. I just can't. It, makes me, <laughs> it just makes my stomach turn just slightly, and it's just enough to be like, ugh. You know that some of his lines are ad lib, right? Like um, sometimes they just they just kind of riff, Rick. They don't. They're not all scripted. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Mm. Uh, real fast, another thing I love this year. Did you guys see uh, Top Gun Maverick? Yeah, yeah, awesome. definitely. Awesome movie. Yo, <laughs> I if if you ever want to take a study in how to revive a franchise after like 20, 30 years off, that's the way you do it. <laughs> so what made it so great? Action. What man. made it great? It just, yeah. yeah, it was great. And then only that though, but even the sentimentality of it, the fact that we're following Goose's son, Rooster. Mm-hmm. And how Maverick felt like, you know, it was his fault that, you know, he, he, that Goose died. And then not only that, though, he trains the kid to go on the mission. And then when the mission fails, he goes in and, and brings him back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the mission you know, is something like, they, 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 they built so much tension around that mission training. That, that Even that part of the movie was hot. When, like, when they're training for the mission, 
Because yeah, the flight, the flight like, simulations, all that yeah, stuff. the oh. flight simulations, like it's just like this is an impossible mission. The jets can barely do it, like, and then they were they were struggling, and he had to go in there and show them how it's done. I was it was it's a tight movie, man. Yeah, that, that was a cool scene, and, and I think that was true to the character of Maverick. You know, you see him yeah, doing something like that. So yeah, it was a good movie. I think those are my major things that I love this year. Um. Are you guys looking forward to anything? I, I know I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Avatar at some point. I heard it's incredible. All reviews so far have been like it's like the movie that technology has been waiting for, like or technology has been waiting for this movie to come around so they could just build it <laughs> and make it. Really? Okay, that's good. Good to know. I really didn't really have high expectations on Avatar at all. Oh yeah, from what I understand, even if you didn't like the first one, you're gonna like this one. From what I understand. And really? how long is it? It's like three it's hours. Long, right? Yeah. Yeah. But they're not giving they're not giving Avatar a hard time like they did Black Panther, right? How do you mean hard time? Like what? Like they were complaining about how long um Wakanda Forever was like the length I, of it. I, really? I never heard that complaint. Really? That was a big thing. No. They were talking about, not like the actual people that wanted to go see Wakanda Forever, but just like the critics and just the news outlets were talking about oh people were making a big deal of how long it was and yeah but i don't really well, hear all, that I, talk about for an avatar I, I don't listen to the critics i am a critic oh excuse me <laughs> no scared of you no no i'm not a critic but you know but this podcast allows me to pretend like i am um <laughs> but honestly i you know that first of all can we talk about wakanda forever i thought it was a great movie it was one of another thing i love this year i it it far exceeded my expectations of of black panthers particularly because i wasn't a fan of the first one um and i, I really feel like they did a great job with that just the emotion uh how having to write a movie where your title character dies in real life and then and then not only that though but make it relevant and you know you know introduce new characters and and, and open up a world that you know is by you know the very nature of what Wakanda is shut off. So, you know, the fact that they opened it up and showed us more of it, I, I thought they did a great job with it. Yeah, I agree. I think they they did a great job. You know, I keep saying, you know, I was just, I was emotionally um, spent after watching it. But I think, you know, they definitely put their hearts on, you know, they led with their hearts and um, it was clear. Um, so yeah, I like the fact that they brought in Namor and I think they did a good job with lots of different features of it. So overall, I, I liked it. No, I'll tell you, Wakanda Forever was the first time I've been back to the theater since COVID pandemic began. And that was, it was really cool to see the previews as well. Like, I mean, you guys talked about the movies. So I don't have to say anything about that, but I will say to answer your question, Britt, like what are we looking forward to for this year upcoming? And I just want to just kind of mention a few things. I'm looking. I, I'm, I'm a Transformers fan, so I'm looking forward to Transformers personally. I'm I'm not an Ant Man fan, but that new Ant Man and Wasp movie looks like it might be interesting. And then of course, okay. you know, we don't we never talk about it, but John Wick's coming out. I, I don't know if you guys watch John Wick, but you know, I I love John Wick, and I think that seeing the fourth and final episode of John, I don't know if it's final, but the fourth installment of John Wick. Is it final? I don't know. That was news to me. I don't know if it's final. I can't remember. I might have added that in there. But just watching another installment of John Wick, I'm just excited. I'm super excited about John Wick movie. So, 
Yeah, man. John Wick is a, is I have, I'm not really into it, but I saw the first one, and the fighting and the action is is dope. So I'll give it that for sure. That's all it is. That's all it is. You know, a little <laughs> bit of plot in there, but it just keeps the yeah, fighting it's, going. It, it's like a like a, a ex girlfriend and a puppy, and then just a lot of just kicking ass. Yeah, it's a, it doesn't take much for John Wick <laughs> movies to get started. It's like okay, with plot then. Let's just do a lot of karate and gunplay. But another okay, just just back back to this year. Um, did you guys by any chance see Barbarian? Nah, what's that about? Brit, Barbarian? did you see what's it? That? <sighs> what is it? All right, everybody, go check, go is check. It, it. It, it, is it a cartoon? What no, no, it? no, no. It's it's a horror flick. That's a horror Wait, film. Here we go. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, ah, it's it's uh, it's a little little sleeper. Definitely worth uh, checking out, uh, everybody. I'm not going to ruin it, but if you haven't seen it, it's a little sleeper horror film that's gotten some buzz, and it, it, you know, I, I enjoyed it. Definitely, definitely find yourself uh, talking to the TV, trying to tell this this uh, person what to do. Like, what are you doing? Don't go back in there. What are you doing? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and so certain things happen. Like, oh, I can't believe that happened. You know. <laughs> so, <laughs> So uh, I, I, whenever I do, I, I think about Romney Malco and, and Forty Year Old Virgin. What happens there? What? Do you remember? Do you, do you guys remember Forty Year Old Virgin? Of course, yeah, yeah. Where, like, where he's like in smart. Team. Well, yeah, but he's he's in the he's in the like smart tech, which is like you know their Best Buy or whatever. <laughs> he's and he's watching uh, Day oh, yeah, After yeah, Dead yeah, or yeah, Dawn yeah. of the Dead. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and like Steve was like trying to talk to him real serious. He's like, yeah, man. He's like, oh, he's like. <laughs> Bitch, get out the room! Bitch, get out the room! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so exactly, <laughs> it's like that. It's like that. Barbarian. Yeah. Okay, we gotta check yeah. it out. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. but uh, for for next year, for me, you know, we we talked about it. The the new um, uh, Spider Man flick. I'm excited for that. Mm, yeah, good choice. Definitely. You talking about the, the Into the Spider Verse? Sequel or something else? Uh, across the Spider Verse, yeah, yeah, yeah. Across the Spider Verse, yeah, okay. okay. No, that that's a good call. I'm excited for that one too. Isn't there an Avatar coming out, Brit? Oh well, in twenty, uh, you know what? In twenty twenty three. So, from what I understand, the live action one on Netflix is coming out now. the The creators of the show pulled out of that project, and then that, then they kind of went back to Nickelodeon and then Nickelodeon created Avatar Studios. So, um, and I know that they announced a lot of animated movies coming out, but um, it's going to be a while before they actually hit, you know, hit this market, you know, on, on the screens. But, uh, you know, the live action was coming out and people, you know, people say the acting and the casting is good. I, I just know that when the creators pulled out, there's, there's a little part of me that's kind of like, uh, I don't know how to feel about it, but you know, Hey, it could be good. What do you guys think about the new Indiana Jones coming out? Man, they are not going to let Harrison Ford <laughs> die, right? <laughs> this dude does not need to be going on more action adventures. It's just I don't know what they're doing. Is he well, they, wait, they, is he is he the lead? Yeah. yeah. I haven't I haven't seen any pre, uh, um previews for it, so so apparently, uh, Disney has invested in um, de aging uh, technology, and mm-hmm. so they're they're really embracing it for all of their their 
their franchises. So I don't know. We're gonna be seeing Harrison Ford for the next twenty, thirty years, probably. I wouldn't be surprised. I know they tried it. They tried it out in the um, and and Captain America: Civil War when they did the Robert Downey Jr. thing, mm-hmm. and then they did it again. I want to say in Endgame when they did Michael Douglas when they made him look younger, as a Hank Pym Ant Man. I just know that they, that's a big thing they're pushing towards. Oh, and not only that though, but they did the de aging for um Sam Jackson in a Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah, they did that. But then they did they did Mark Hamill in um. The end of the Mandalorian season two. Yes, yeah, right. When he came back as Luke Skywalker, that shit was fire. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> Luke Skywalker came through in the Mandalorian <laughs> side. <laughs> yeah, actually, I can go for some more more of that era of um, Mark Hamill because we never really saw him, uh, Luke, in that in in his. Prime we never saw role. Prime Luke. Yeah. yeah, we never saw Prime Luke. So. Man, I don't know if they should if they should keep Mark Hamill or if they should have recasted him as somebody you know somebody else and just gave him the whole whole series or something. I don't know, but yeah, I want to see I more. Of, I want to see more of Luke's. So. Yeah, I want to see more. I mean, I think Star Wars is is heading in a great direction. I want to see more Andor. Uh, I want to see, you know, what's going on with Mando. I want to see what's going on with Grogu. I want to see Ahsoka. Oh, my God. I'm really excited for that one, to be honest with you. Rosario Dawson. Are they going to do something? Is there a project planned? Yeah, she has her own. She has Ahsoka to show coming out. Right, that's right. So I definitely want to see that. Um, you know, Rosario Dawson is in love with the character. So I love it when the actor loves the character. It always makes it so much better. Um, so yeah, and then you know, oh, and then I don't know if it's coming out in 2023, but I know Ryan Reynolds teased, um, you know, Hugh Jackman coming back for Deadpool, uh, three. So that's another thing to be excited about, too. You know, yeah, I just want to know like how they're gonna do that. I mean, but it is, it's Deadpool, so there's a lot of, I mean, if 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 they're gonna bring Hugh Jackman into something, that's the perfect film because it's so whimsical, sort of, that you know, they could do whatever they want to do and. Whether it's tied to the MCU or not, most most uh, fans are going to give forgiveness because it's Deadpool, you know, uh, versus some yeah. of the other more serious uh, shows, you know. For sure. But, yeah, man. Yeah, that's what I got. <laughs> I got I got another one for you guys. Um, I think this one came out um, this year. Or the the new no season came out this year of Chainsaw Man, and you guys watching that? Awesome, awesome, awesome show! I, I bought I bought them I bought the manga because I I couldn't wait for them to keep publishing the shows. I had to see what happened next. Yeah, so that's a good one. Well, what's what's that about? So it's like it's like you know it's like the the same like these there's a team of people who are like devil hunters and these devils exist and basically monsters and monster hunters and the monster hunters are either like they have like these relationships with devils that like allow them to have some extra power so they can fight fire with fire. Um, but the main character, he actually found like some little dog devil thing and they, they formed like a, a unique bond that no one else in the storyline has. And at one point they fuse into one character and he becomes like able to change from like a human to some kind of hybrid and he fights all these monsters, but like because of his unique uh, makeup, he's actually targeted by like all these monsters are like looking for him, and you don't know exactly know why yet, but they're looking for him, and they want to like they they're looking to like eliminate him. They're putting contracts out on him. 
and they're trying to come at him like in every which way. But he is like <laughs> his motivation is kind of like he's never kissed a girl. So he's just like, you know, so he, he's like, well, what's your life goal? And it's like, I just need to like kiss a girl. <laughs> and so like everything, everybody else is like, my life goal is like to eliminate these these monsters and like save. Like my family died and I got to, you know, I got to avenge them. And this is like, I just need to like kiss somebody. I, I never, never kissed a girl before. So he, his whole thing is like, he's like, his motivations are all weird, but he's in there and he's, he's very powerful. Um, but it's a it's a good show. I so mean, why why is this guy who confused with his dog like devil? Why does that translate into him being able to transform his body into chainsaws? So the dog has a chainsaw on his face, like it's a okay. dog. It's a little fat little dog with a chainsaw face. It's a chainsaw devil. And what ends up happening is when they fuse, the dog actually goes inside his chest in like a little tag. From the dog's tail, which is actually like the cord that you would pull to start the engine, like on your like lawnmower or whatever, six out of his chest. He pulls that himself, and he turns into Chainsaw Man, which his face turns into a chainsaw, and his arms and his legs or something like that are also chainsaws, and then he just like you know goes berserk. So, yeah, I've been hearing really good things about it. It's on, it's on my list. I haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah, fellas. Well, you know, there's a lot to be excited for for the, the new year. So, um. I'm I'm looking forward to that. You know, I got like I keep saying every every episode, I got a stack of books I'm about to really dive into. You know, some other ones I haven't finished up that I want to finish up. So yeah, can't wait to talk about those guys. Right, any any closing words, guys? You, you um anything you as far as podcast you're looking forward to next year? Any uh, plans? Anything like that? just want to say thank you to the listeners thank you for giving us a shot and hopefully we can come through next season with some really great entertainment and some great book recommendations slash television or you know whatever geek media recommendations yeah yeah There's never been anything like this. Hello, and welcome to the Highly Minded Podcast. We always say that low minds talk about people, average minds talk about events, and high minds talk about ideas. We talk about it all. Yeah. You already know. Available now on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all of your other favorite podcast platforms. All right, we're going to move on into some issues of interest. Uh, today, we each have uh, three separate issues we're going to be talking about. I know uh, I'm going to be talking about public domain. Uh, uh, Chris, you're going to be talking about Nightmare, I believe. And mm-hmm. Britt, what are you going to be talking about today? Uh, far Sector. Okay, Far Sector. All right, Britt, well, why don't you go ahead and take take the lead and, and tell us about Far Sector. Okay, so this book is by N.K. Jemison. And artist by Jamal Campbell, uh, all black creative team. And it's distributed by DC's Young Animal imprint, right? So this is about Green Lantern. Yeah, well, it just dropped in 2021. So it's, it's relatively new. This is probably one of my newer issues of interest. This follows Green Lantern Sojourner Mullins, right? Of the 3,600 sectors of this universe that the Green Lanterns covered, this happens to be the furthest of them all. And uh, basically, she's there to solve a murder. Now, this is the first murder 
that this planet sector has had in over 500 years. So no one really knows what to do. So her being from Earth, which, again, is a little pet peeve of mine because, I mean, how many Green Lanterns are from Earth? <laughs> very true very true so it's there's so many green lanterns and don't get me started on the flashes but anyway but uh i, I really like this book uh far sector it, it starts out actually with a quote from uh china achibe from things fall apart where he talks about a man who makes trouble for others also makes it for himself uh it's it's super black it, it's, it's interesting it, it follows three alien races who live on this planet like basically two of the alien races were living on the planet and then the third one came and basically, someone kind of started a lie that one alien race said something about another race, and another race started said something about another race. So uh, they all they all basically div- it, it divided and conquered them. Um, and so what they had to do was they had to suppress all their feelings. So they came up with like these emotional suppressors. And now, for, for the first time in five hundred years, like you know, something like this, like a murder, you know, something's happening. So now, um, Green Lantern Mullen is on the. Uh, is on the trail on the trail and it's really cool i didn't start the second issue yet but it starts out i turned the page and it starts out with her um like kind of doing like a morpheus thing like sitting down in like a a chair like in front of the tv like like waking more uh waking neo up so i'm curious to watch it uh i'm excuse me, i'm curious to to read it but uh the art is incredible jamal campbell kills it i mean you know he he draws black people uh like in a really like authentic way and i i can't help but think about uh Nichelle Nichols and how she was a trailblazer and putting black people in sci-fi on on like you know in prime time and it's it's really cool to see a, a black female you know green lantern out there uh, i think it's a dope book oh, that's cool i'm not really familiar with that many female lanterns right uh there was i there there was a purple lantern that i knew that was a uh, girl i think it was one of hal jordan's love interests i forget who her name is um but is that yeah the heart? I, I, is those, what's what's the purple ring uh is that hope I or no that's that's blue right what's is it love or something what is purple it it, it sounds it sounds like love or something like that yeah yeah I'm looking it up now uh, but I yeah i i i I don't know uh, many women lanterns. You're right. Yeah. Is is there a set number of runs it's supposed to do? Like, is it like a six issue well, kind of thing? I trade weighted, so this I think it has how many issues? It has nine issues, I think, in this in the trade. So you know, um, again, it came out last year in 2021. Um, it's actually and it's forwarded by Gerard Way. You know, another important voice out there in the comic book community. So, um, uh, you know, it's I, I can't wait to really sink into it. Uh, I haven't really had a chance to really read it yet. I'm, I'm trying to finish my I have a novel uh, about Avatar Yang Chen that I'm trying to finish right now. Right, right, uh, right. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> but this is in the rotation and I'm excited about it. And this is my issue. It's you know, I'm something I'm interested in right now. My issue. So. so- yeah, I hear that. So what? What's so so far? What's happened is that all, all they know is that there was a murder, and she's now going to investigate, and that's kind of where it left off. Yeah, and uh, basically, they 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 already have one suspect in custody at the end of the issue, but as they they go to visit said suspect, and it turns out that someone has killed that suspect. So now we're actually dealing with two murders, 
and you know she's the whole time she's basically kind of politicking with the with the brass of the planet like there's somewhat of like a supreme council or like you know like a a group that kind of governs the planet and she's basically you know telling them like hey look you guys brought me here because you knew this was going to happen and uh mm-hmm. they saw this coming so there's so there's a lot of like threads and you know like a lot of like political underpinnings behind everything that's happening right now or at least that's that's what that's what it's alluding to hmm. yeah, it sounds cool like a little detective thing she's gonna have to work through a little bit and deal with the politics yeah a little whodunit yeah mm-hmm. do you know much about the the character of this green lantern how she became a green lantern and anything like that well she's she's from new york i want to say because there's a lot of um uh, like references to New York, they talk about the city that where this murder happened on this alien planet is very Manhattan-like, and uh, basically, so, there's a, a quick little origin where a mysterious person gives her a Green Lantern ring and tells her you can try it out for a year, but you have to try it out like in this furthest sector of the universe, and if you like being a Green Lantern, then you know you can keep it. Now it doesn't really <laughs> doesn't. Sh- it doesn't show the face. It doesn't show like any backstory of who this mysterious hand is, but you see her being presented with the green lantern ring in the beginning and, and her basically saying like, it took her a year to get comfortable living in New York city. She was like, it took her way less time to get comfortable living on this planet after she accepted the green lantern ring. Uh, so, you know, it, it, that's, that's the quick origin. Again, this is just issue one of, of it. What do you think that means? Yeah. Hmm. It was much easier with the Green Lantern ring. Interesting. I mean, yeah, no, she, she, you know, like, she's like, she was basically put on this very far away planet and, you know, it took her a while to get, uh, she thought it would would take her a while to get acclimated, but it actually took much shorter amount of time than she had thought. Sojourner. Mm Mm-hmm. What um? Who's the person that you said did the forward? That's um, influential. Gerard Way. Gerard Way. Gerard Way. Oh yeah. Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye. Yeah. What um? Who? What's he about? Doom Patrol. He, he's done stuff like that. I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh... Any, any thoughts, Chris? <laughs> Purple <All right>. is love. <laughs> I think it's violet. Violet is love. No, but we were just talking about the rings. I was looking it up while you guys were talking. It's yeah, no, no, no. All right, um, Chris, you want to go ahead and tell us about your your issue? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So thanks. So um, so mine also takes place in the East Coast city. Um, so my issue is called Nita Hall's Nightmare Blog, which at first I thought Nita Hall's was the, the writer, but it's actually written by uh, Rodney Barnes and Jason Sean Alexander. And it's illustrated, at least the episode that, or I'm sorry, the um, the issue that I'm talking about, it's um, illustrated by Patrick Reynolds, right? And it's, this is interesting, right? So this takes place in Baltimore. And uh, Nita Hall's is a psychology professor at... Um, I want to say it's Morgan State. Let me see real quick. Well, this is really close to home. Yeah, this is all close to home. I just real quick, while I look this up, Britt, are you familiar with Baltimore? Uh, I've been through there. I don't want to say I'm familiar with it. 
Okay. Okay. So have you seen The Wire? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay. So you've got you've got enough to work with here. So um so this takes place in, in Baltimore and the first scene, right, is showing her she's like walking, presumably walking home from work or something like that. And she's just kind of thinking about Baltimore. Um, and you can see in the background, they illustrate, like, there's, like, some drug use, there's some prostitution, there's, like, a bit of crime either being committed or being planned. Um, you know, just a normal day in Baltimore. And then the next scene is, like, well, now, if you thought that that was, you know, baseline Baltimore, now Baltimore is infested with demons. So the story pl- takes place where Nita has this kind of specifically um, specifically tuned to be able to see and perceive demons as they are in Baltimore. But as you as the story unfolds, what you see is that there are all different people in Baltimore like living their life. There's a group of guys recording an album. Uh, there are some people in the hospital kind of like taking care of other people who are sick. And these demons start appearing. So, for example, these guys are recording. They have a recording session. And in walks this other guy they don't recognize. And he stands in the room. He sings a song. They don't really know what's going on. They're kind of confused. Like, hey, man, you got to get out of here. But before anybody can do anything, his chest, face, his whole upper body just bursts open. And demons of all different shapes and sizes um, escape his body and devour and consume everybody in the recording studio. And so what's happening is what you learn, at least in this, and there's not a lot that's revealed in this first issue, but what you learn in this first issue is a couple of things. Anita Halls has a, a little brother who she felt responsible for. They have each other. They're the only family they have of each other. But her little brother was killed two years ago um, in, a, in a crossfire of some type of wayward crime um, in Baltimore, right? So he gets shot, he dies. She feels this... this um, uh, overwhelming guilt that she failed to protect him. He communicates with her, he continues to communicate with her even after death. And so they show like after his death, he somehow is able to perceive um, what's happening in the afterlife. And he sees that <laughs> he sees like these angels and demons flying around and he follows them and he ends up in, I'll, I'll give you one guess where he ends up. Did you, you guess know. Baltimore? Because that's where he ends up. Because Baltimore is the portal <laughs> for hell. So now Baltimore. <laughs> so that he comes back and he tells his sister, okay. like, yo, look, like, there's a lot going on in Baltimore. There's demons everywhere. You got to let people know. And she's like, well, they're not going to believe me. And then so that's that's where the booklet leads starts off. This idea that Baltimore is now this gateway portal where demons are freely flowing into the city and committing these these very violent atrocities that that people seem to see happening, but no one survives. Um, Anita Halls is on the case trying to make sense of what she sees and what's going on. And that's where we are so far. I don't have a good understanding of how her character is going to develop. Um, Of course, like this is all, you know, very much a, um, uh, the artistry is, is, is very interesting. It's very, I think I would say creative, but in, in addition to that, it depicts black people to the way that maybe, you also mentioned it depicts black people very well, as far as at least the artistry, right? Like she captures like the, the details and and the differences that um, between the people. It's 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 nicely done, but the overall um, tone of the book is very grim. The art captures that as well, um, and like even even though there's very little exposition throughout the story, there's plenty of information conveyed through each scene. So I, I recommend it's a pickup. It was it's easy to read. It's quick. Um, if you're if you're if you're interested in seeing something like this that's a little dark, 
Um, I would recommend it. Um, you know, I haven't read past the first issue as per Joffrey's request, so I don't know what happens next. But um, I'll let you guys know in a further episode. Interesting. How'd you find out about it? So, having purchased Dark Blood on my Amazon account, this came up as a recommendation. So I was like looking at all the recommendations, and I saw this, and so I guess there were like people who like Dark Blood also like this. I would say it's not dissimilar. I could see why someone would this would fall in the similar genre, and. Um, Oh, and this one, unlike Dark Blood, I felt this was a little bit, um, a little bit more engaging. So, cool. That's it. <laughs> I like, I like the way you described uh, Baltimore. Can you tell, like, whoever wrote this is is really kind of telling a, a home spun story. I I think whoever wrote this has some familiarity with Baltimore. Like I'm, I'm obviously there's good parts of Baltimore, but um, there are some challenging aspects of Baltimore. I, I went to school in Baltimore for a bit of time, and um, I remember I, I'll just share this one story with you. I, I remember walking home from class and uh, in the parking lot, and there's this guy there in the middle of the parking lot. He's got no shirt on. Right, this is a parking garage across the street from the school. He's got no shirt on. He's got this huge samurai sword. And he's just swinging it. And he's like, yeah. He's like jumping on top of <laughs> top of cars. He's like, yeah. And it's just like a Tuesday. And I'm like, uh, so I'm walking home with a couple of classmates, and one of my classmates is like, uh, my car is on, like, I gotta go past this dude. I'm like, well, I wouldn't recommend that. I think we maybe I'll just drive you home. So like we got in my car, I drove her home, and then like she got a ride the next, I guess the next day and got her car. But yeah, I mean, I've I've gone to the ball, I've gone to the ATM in Baltimore, and like it's 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 an adventure sometimes if you're out at night in Baltimore or early in the morning in Baltimore, you'll see some things that um, you might not see in other cities as readily. So uh, I don't know, Jaffrey, you spent some time in Baltimore. Do, do you concur? Yeah, yeah. There's different parts of the city um, and some of them bleed into different areas. Um, definitely if you're down in the harbor, you get one vibe. But then when you go to other areas of Baltimore, you get a, you know, you get a different vibe. Um, so, you know, I definitely spent quite a bit of time in Baltimore. I'm not from Baltimore, but I, I definitely spent some some time there. So, you know, it's it's different than New York, but, you know, you know, when you're from, you know, when you're from New York, you know, you think one thing of what is northeast and then you, you anything south. I mean, Philly Philly kind of makes it. Um but then right after like once you go past Delaware, it, it's it's south. <laughs> you know, Baltimore, you know, it, it has some northern vibes, but it, you know, also has what what, you know, people from New York would call, you know, southern twang a little bit. Um so it's a little bit mixed. Yeah, yeah. I, I think New Yorkers just think that they're just like the epitome of like what metropolitan is. <laughs> so anything that's not that is just like country. Aren't um, they though? <laughs> yeah, man. I, you know, I, there's not a lot of depth in this. I know you guys don't have any familiarity with the the, the world or universe that this um, particular issue is coming from. So it is an image publication. So, um, but I will keep you guys posted as I, I plan on reading further. Maybe I'll give an update later on, but. Um, I just want to see where it goes. It is, you know, kind of an all black cast, which makes it interesting as well. You know, got yeah, it'd be interesting to see if there's other uh, work from that the author and the creator, the the artist and the writer. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. So. All right. All right. Well, I guess I'll take it from here. Uh, so the issue I read was public domain. It was issue one. The writer and artist is Chip Zardaski. It's a uh, one of uh, Brit's uh, favorites there. Um, interesting. Dude. Uh, 
interesting creator here because um, as, as Britt informed me, he comes from a background of being the artist who then migrated on to becoming the writer. So he, in this case, he did both the writing and, and the illustrations. And uh, super you know, talented guy, man. Super talented. Yeah, yeah. He's he's doing um, Batman. I, I talked about the new run of Batman. Um, um, so that that's something else that I'm reading. So um, yeah. So Zdarsky is is an interesting uh, creator, and I think uh, this story is perfect for him. And I think it adds some nuance that he's the one telling it. And it's kind of a, I'd say like a metafiction comic book because it's a a comic book about <laughs> a comic book artist. And um, so Public Domain is this comic book who, and there's there's the writer, and then there's the, the artist. And the story is told from the, or shown from the perspective of the son of the artist. And you can see him going through life and seeing these billboards um, showing Public Domain. And basically, it's kind of like a, a is showing as if this was like the MCU and you know the 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 writer and the the artist have created all this intellectual property around public domain and there's a whole universe of public domain and this is like the movie is like number 8 public domain number 8 and um so they're they're publicizing this new movie and the son is just frustrated with the whole situation and you can see that the the father Sid uh, who was the the artist is living the a normal life he's not a celebrity he's just happy to send uh, his his original comics to his uh, fans that that like it meanwhile the hollywood industry and the writer are are the ones who are really getting all the the fame and proceeds from from the creation of public domain and the family is really upset about that. So there's some some tones of history from uh, the era of Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. Uh, there was some drama back there, and even you could think back to some of the the issues with a lot of the the founders of Image itself, with uh, you know Todd McFarlane and and that crew when they branched off from the the big labels to create Image. And one of the the missions of Image was really to allow for the creators to own the rights of their their content um that was a big push for them but um there's some pretty funny scenes throughout but but in general the idea is is what i what i explained that this you know it's the family of the artist who is dealing with everyday life and you know they're kind of there's still a family structure but th this tension of what happened with public domain and and the father kind of no longer having the rights kind of hit them hard you could see um the the family's upset because they feel that the father should have gotten more uh, credit and probably money for what he did. And um, that's not the case. And the father's just happy to be a part of it. So he's going to the the, the red carpet ceremony and, and nobody else in the family wants to go. And um, the, the, the brother of the guy, the son, he's just kind of really distant from the family. He doesn't even really want to be around the family. A lot of times he's always making up these crazy excuses of why he can't go to things. And it's completely just outlandish stuff. And it's, it's but everybody knows he's just lying. So it, it's pretty funny. Uh, there's a scene in there um, where the son, who is a, who is a writer, and he's an arts and leisure writer. And for uh, the Globe, I guess it's like a, a major uh, newspaper. And the, the editor-in-chief assigns him the task of writing about this movie. And obviously he doesn't want to do it because he doesn't 
believe in how it's been treated. And so he goes into the office to protest, which is his like boss's boss. <laughs> and she gives him this long this speech about how <laughs> she, he needs to suck it up and and how um, when she was a kid, she got attacked by a dog and the dog pissed on her head. <laughs> and she used that motivation to write this piece that won her, her some like writing award, which launched her career. And she was basically saying that his dad's his dad's writing or, or his dad's illustrations is is his a dog pissing on him. And he needs to use that to channel his frustrations to write it, to, to do a masterpiece. And uh, it's just funny to, to see some of the, the humor that they have uh, throughout this issue. Um, but I, I am interested to see where this goes, because at the, at the end of the first episode, you find out that, he, you know, the artist, the father is humble guy. He's there. He's happy. And one of the assistants of the writer uh, uncovers this document that shows that in actuality, it might very well be that the artist, the father, is the true owner of public domain and that's how it leaves off so you can see a whole interesting storyline that's going to unfold about you know who's the rightful owner of this uh, comic book intellectual property wow that's very meta yeah it is it really is <laughs> uh, i'm sure it has to do with a lot of like legacy 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 stuff um I'm, mm -hmm. I'm actually looking it up, and it, it turns out that uh, this is the first time Chip has fully illustrated a series since the end of Sex Criminals, one of my favorite titles. Um, so I didn't know I didn't know if he had gone completely like full time writing now. Like he he hasn't he hasn't drawn since again since the end of Sex Criminals, which again you guys should check that out. It's it's written by Matt Fraction, again one of my other favorite writers. But uh, one thing about this is it, it looks like he was like just publishing like issues on his like on his sub stack. But then uh, I think Image approached him to actually make this a physical print thing. Hmm. Do you think like maybe he was writing this kind of like as like a memoir to like this is my legacy. I want to I want to protect my own idea before he actually gave it to Image or like, you know, I don't know. One, I don't know. But two, I, just from the learning that I'm doing with regards to the industry, it seems like it's a tough industry in general, you know, and what, what me might revere some of these, these writers and artists, you know, they, they're constantly seems like always struggling, except for like maybe the, the very few at the tippy tip top of the game, you know? And so they're always trying to figure out a way to uh, raise funds for their next project. And, you know, they might have several projects. So this might've been a way to, for him to, to get this project out into the public domain and uh, some people show interest and then, then he gets picked up and, you know, gets more funding for it and then get, get, you know, image can reach out to him. I don't know. Yeah. And I think it's really, I mean, this is actually almost perfect for like the brilliance crowd for those of you guys who are following the team at brilliance. Like, cause like, isn't this exactly what you guys are trying to do protect artists from, you know, from other people kind of taking credit for their work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, one of the things is, is making sure that the artists get their, their due, you know, in perpetuity. Right. I think uh, that's, that's one of our big takeaways yeah. and what we're trying to build here. Yeah. Just kind of like let them really realize the value of their contribution, you know, all the way through, not just through the initial sale, but you know, beyond resale and any other um enhancements they want to do like we want to encourage like you know like we talk about comic books but like 
you know, we want to encourage artists and give them an incentive to continue to build out these worlds we enjoy. Yeah, man, we, we have so many different ideas. Um, and I think, I think what we're building in this platform is just a, another tool that the artists and the creators um, can use to connect with the fans. And, um, you know, like you talked about it being a web comic, I think there's so many different ways for the, the artists to reach out to the fans and, and build the universe together. And um, while the, the artist maintains ownership of it. So Brit, who, who's your favorite comic book writer? Is it Kayvon? Oh, Brian Kayvon. Yeah. <laughs> right. So like, what if you're like, Brian, you're like, you know, you're, you're a subscriber to his work, you know, you get all the fresh stuff when it comes out. And then like, he's got like a notebook maybe that he kept. And he's like, you know what? For my loyal fans, I like to like give you like an excerpt in my notebook. Would you, would, wouldn't you want to receive that? I would love to see what his notes are like. You exactly. Know, and I think that that's, that, yeah. that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to build an ecosystem where like, if you've got like a good connection with a creator and that creator wants to connect with, with their, their fan base, their readers, their community, like we're trying to incentivize that. Like, you know, you know, no longer do you have to do volume works, but you can also do like, you can also work a little bit on like small batches, um, you know, share a little bit more of your creative process. And, 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 and generate income um, for it. And so I think it's a win-win, right? And that's what we're trying to build, like this win-win where, um, where like, you know, the fans can get more and the artists can provide more um, and, everybody, and everybody can enjoy those worlds a little bit more deeply. Are you a comic book creator looking for a new or additional engagement platform for your community? Then come take a look at Brilliance. Brilliance is a blockchain-powered platform where authors can publish eBooks, crowdfund new creative ideas, and connect with their readers. With Brilliance, authors can set royalties that endure beyond the initial sale to include royalties on resale of the book. That's right. Unlike many other ebook providers, Brilliance allows users to resell their books on the marketplace, and with each sale, the original creator will receive their royalty payment directly to their account. Authors are free to price their works however they would like. Unlike other platforms, Brilliance does not pressure creators into pricing restrictions. By unlocking pricing, Brilliance allows for natural price discovery and a true relationship between the creator and their devoted readership. Additionally, by leveraging Brilliance's blockchain technology, authors can access all the readers who have owned their work or even works of a similar genre. This gives the authors an opportunity to build their own distribution lists, connect directly with their fan bases, and grow their unique community. There are many more benefits to this game-changing platform. Learn more and sign up by going to Brilliance.io. That's Brilliance.io. Let's establish a new paradigm. All right, everybody. Um, we have a great guest today, Eric Cooper. Um, 
I met, I met him at Baltimore Comic Con. He has a lot of projects going on. And one of the things I thought was really unique about him was um, he's the founder of a, of a Comic Con himself. Yeah. And so I, I wanted to bring him on um, and let him talk about some of his various projects he has going on, his extensive history, and t- tell us a little bit more about this Comic Con. Uh, Eric, why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself? All right. My name is Eric Cooper. I am a sci-fi writer out of Trenton, New Jersey. Uh, I will be soon moving to Las Vegas, though, um, oh. early next year. Uh, just more my 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 environment, more my my kind of niche. Um, but um, like I said, I'm a, I'm a black sci-fi writer, and also I like writing comic books, uh, short film scripts as well, and also not, I'm a novelist. So I mean, I do novels. Um, I started a convention called Black Label Comic Con. Started in Philly. We started back in 2019. Uh, we've had three events so far. Of course, COVID 2020 was knocked out of the park because of yeah. the lockdown and everything else. Um, but, you know, we still keep the, the name alive. And we had our last one um, August, I think it was August 8th of uh, this year. Um, what, so, what got you interested in doing a Comic Con? What, what? Well, mainly I got tired of going to cons where the creators were like, like like the the real background drop of everything going on they mainly cater to like you know the print guys the guys that's not not really true artists they use computer mock-ups and everything else and, you know the merchandise guys but marvel and dc you know they they control the floor um but there's no highlight for people that actually create the stuff they actually are the true creators and engineers behind all these creations coming out for the market and it's time for those people to shine and say, look, you got original stories, original ideas, original characters, especially people of color characters. Yeah. You know, yeah. you, you need a platform to have your own, you know, to, to, to talk about what you have. Because at a convention, we're kind of drowned out by the, the big plethora of big money going on. And most most of us are, are small guys that have vision and mm-hmm. we just need a financial backing to do what we do. Um, but you know we're, we're the true the true hustlers at the convention. Yeah. Um, but you know it's 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 that time to have a platform for us, almost like the Apollo, where you get to showcase what you have and show the audience what you can really do, and you have really good time to really talk to people and promote your product, and be around other creators that are just like you that are hungry and want to share what they have for the world. I like that description, Apollo. I like that. That's good. Yeah. 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 Well, well, when I went to Baltimore Comic Con, you know, that was my first actual con that I went to. Oh, first. Oh, first, first. Oh, you're a greenhorn. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So um, from from my my perspective, I don't know if Baltimore is different, but I did seem it seemed like there was quite a bit of. um, of, Oh, yeah. I want them at Baltimore is more that medium con because it's not too big and it's not too small. It's like that happy medium where they kind of balance out the scales. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of independent. Um, the artist alley is pretty big. I love yeah. to admit it is pretty big. Um, but Baltimore is probably the you want to start with a con at least not too big and not too small. Baltimore is one of I guess I think it's one of the best places to go if you really try to break into the con scene and learn about comic cons. Because they do have their panels and everything else as well. Um, you know, they have a costume contest as well. And they they really do cater to people of different diversities. They really have a good, they really do a good job of that. I, I have to admit, I've been going there for the past, I think, oh God, 
probably about 10 to 12 years I've been wow. going to con in a row. Right. And I haven't missed it except COVID. Um, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 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 Baltimore Comic Con is definitely a home for a lot of people that really want to get their feet wet and and showing their product. Of course, I do want them to come to Black Label, of course. Right, right. Uh, but but to really like to really get a feel for Comic Cons, um, Baltimore is actually one of the better shows to go to. Uh, yeah, because that that was my experience just um, seeing all the the black and 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 um, minority creators and hearing their stories. Just exactly what you said. It's yeah, it's it's different. It you is. Know? It is and uh, it was exciting. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So do you do you still go to the big ones like San Diego and uh, every year except okay. COVID? That was still like <laughs> that. That you know, if if COVID happened, that would have been my I think my twenty first year in a row. Mm -hmm. I started I started back in nineteen ninety nine going to con, and San Diego was my first big con. Yeah. And cool. you know, but it, it's it's changed through the years though. It's gotten more corporate. Mm -hmm. more about the hollywood plethora yeah um and it really kind of shied away from the artists um mm -hmm. but when they did the um the special event i didn't go to it it was uh it was kind of weird because they did it on um thanksgiving weekend it was kind of weird uh they just want to keep the name alive for for san Diego comic-con and i heard the turnout wasn't it was all right but it was more People had their own individual products. It wasn't the big companies because they were trying to stay locked down from not getting COVID for their cast and members and stuff like for movies and stuff. So it did cater more to the the private artists, which was I should I should have went, but I didn't go. I just decided to stay home instead of you know stay on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, but but I mean I still find my niche there. I do have a, a good amount of contacts there. Um, but I do have a good time in San Diego every year, and the atmosphere, the weather, the food is great. The the hotels gouge you, but you know it is it is it is comic con san diego it's like a bucket list for a lot of you because they they save up they save up all year to go to this particular con but luckily being a professional being a writer i learned about that some time ago i said well you know you can actually get a free ticket not have to worry about trying to go online like a lottery oh, yeah. and just submit your credentials and most likely you'll probably get your own professional pass and i've been doing that every year but every Every third year, you have to requalify for the pass. You have to show that you're still producing work for the industry, mm -hmm. and you know they will allow that that pass to keep on going, and it, it is always free. Nice. Now, I I have you know I've I've seen your your IG and um, your website. You, you mentioned um, the the costumes. You're pretty good. You got a pretty good cosplay game going on there. Um, yeah. So is that is that like a one off thing, or do you routinely participate? Well, well mainly I. I've kind of slowed down the cosplay thing a little bit because I'm busy doing books. It's kind of hard to do stuff in suit when you're trying to sell stuff. And, you know, one day I'll, I'll probably just have, well, look, I'll just sign, you sell a book, and I'll just stay in costume. <laughs> I haven't found that little niche yet. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, um, cosplay has, has been my, that was my foundation before I got into the whole writing writing stories. Get so mainly I was doing stuff for um I was doing well before the first Spider-Man movie Spider-Man movie came out with Tobey Maguire. Mm -hmm. Um I was one of the first of five black guys that actually had their own Spider-Man suits that we actually customized our own suits to yeah. to to look like to look like Tobey Maguire's suit. And before the movie came out we were showcasing other cons stuff like that, but I was the first guy to get a cease and desist letter from Marvel. Say, say again? I got a cease and desist letter from Marvel. Cease oh, and wow. Wow, you were that good. Well, that because they said that the costume was was more on the top notch, but also I see my mask off in public. 
Really? And that's before people really? start seeing black guys in spandex. Wow. So it was more on the, the color scheme of things. They weren't ready for yeah. black guys who were wearing suits like that. Um, so I was I was the one of the first five guys to start wearing spandex on the floor for Comic Cons. So you were the original Miles. Pretty much. Pretty <laughs> much. And there's also uh Terrence Thompson. He's also one of the guys in my books, also. Um, and also a guy named Larry. Oh god, I haven't seen him in years. I forgot his last name though, but three of us always talked online about you know going to cons and doing this stuff but i was one of the cease and desist i was like damn they, they tagged me uh, <laughs> but the funny thing about it was that i used to be overweight and i got in shape for the spider-man costume that was my that was my drive wow so okay. when i did all this I said well eric well and they said well they, they want me to submit to work for marvel for doing appearances for marvel and when i did a submission letter and everything else i wanted to actually work for them and, and write some characters for them but when I got the cease and desist, said, no, you can never work for us. This is this is really getting out of hand. Wow. Yeah, um, I decided to create my own character and to to pretty much to throw to throw fire on Marvel and say, I can do my own thing, That's and, and it, it pushed really me wow. to, to do Night Seeker. So Night Seeker is yeah, Night Seeker is my um, play on the Predator. Alien Xenomorph and a little hint of Spider-Man. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. When I when I listened to the origin story, I'm like, that, that's a little like you got a little Spider-Man in there. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. So that was my push to really do something different, and that was my whole venture out into being independent creator. Mm-hmm. That, that that was what I wanted to do, and it's like that was my fire to push to really do my own thing. Ah, man, that's so cool to hear that background yeah. story. Yeah, wow, that makes so much sense. And okay. Uh, I'm looking at your background, you yeah. know, and I'm seeing a lot of Spider-Man. So, <laughs> so one of the questions I always ask, um, you know, guests that I have on is, yeah. uh, who's who's your favorite hero, superhero, or who's your favorite comic book character growing up from childhood? And uh, I'm 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 guessing, you know, it's Spider-Man. But I'm gonna let you let you answer. Oh, well, favorite? Yeah, favorite. It's really a villain, though. It's not not Spider-Man. All right, all right. It's really the Terminator. Really? That was the first character that got me involved in science fiction real wholeheartedly. Um, well, but mainly because I was at my cousin's house and we all had like a, a gathering for, you know, sleep over night, sleep over at nighttime. And they were playing a movie. And I was like, here, you gotta watch this movie. So, so what's the movie? Oh, you'll like it. You'll like it. So I'm seeing this guy <laughs> getting shot up and not falling. I said, what the hell was going on here? And then when he broke out of fire, you see all this metal robot coming out of flames. It scared the hell out of me. <laughs> but at the same time, it intrigued the hell out of me also. So that's what really got me pushing into, into science fiction. But when Aliens came out and Predator, that was done to rap. I said, you know what? This is this is who I am. This is yeah. who I am. I like the dark greediness, but mm-hmm. it's just that it's the, mainly it's the, I guess, the the regal feel of these characters. They they don't care. They do their thing and they don't they don't apologize for it. Yeah. They don't apologize for it. And I love that brutality about the character. They will, they're on a, a mission to do what they gotta do. And that's what drove me to do Night Seeker also. That he's on that same kind of mission. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> you know, I was I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, and then you know, they were talking about villains and um you know and and what what villains can you relate to 
and you know had me thinking about some of some of the the big villains well not let's just say villains mm-hmm. loosely you know mm-hmm. depends on your perspective but yeah. some of these characters like like omni-man or, or mm-hmm. galactus or characters like that that you know they they view themselves as godly compared yes. to compared to humans so can Correct. you really blame them if they step on a few ants you know so it's, it's it, but you know it's all about their purpose that's the main mm-hmm. thing see the hero is one thing I, I couldn't stand about most of the superhero characters, they're always um, are defined by the villain or the villain made them who they are or vice versa. The nice thing about Night Seeker was that I separated that part out where Night Seeker is a sci-fi superhero character. The main villain that deals with him in the very first book, he's actually a sorceress. And those two had nothing to do with each other whatsoever. But as so mainly the story... The, the story was was two separate stories. As time went on, the two stories clashed because mm. the good guy, the evil guy. Well, I don't know who you are. I can tell who you are. Oh, right. we we this this can't happen. Uh-huh. So I, I had to make sure that there were two totally separate stories where they had nothing to do with each other whatsoever. But when good meets evil, the clash begins. I like that. Yeah, definitely different. Definitely different. Some cool stuff. You got a lot of uh, projects going on, and another one you have is Star Enforcers. Oof, that What's was that about? deep. That was deep. So when I got finished the first three books of Night Seeker, um, Star Enforcer was the, was the next the next thing to go into, and I had a co writer. His name was Miles Simon. And he's out of um, out of Oregon, and I met him at San Diego Comic Con, and we were talking for a while, and we started developing ideas. So we need something like a sci fi type space genre because we both like star trek and star wars well whoa, 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 before you go on okay uh, you, just, you just threw them together if you had to pick one which which one where are you gonna go which which team are you on more star trek because okay. of dialogue i love okay. the dialogue but the action adventure is definitely star wars okay but okay. my 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 brain is more star trek mm-hmm. i'm more diplomatic than anything else <laughs> i'm more diplomatic okay but the, the nice thing about those two worlds is that to us they kind of coexist with each other in their own in their own type of entities. But I said, well, let's make something a little different about the characters where we're gonna have a ship of 50 crew members and they're all convicts, but they've been deputized as undercover officers do all these crazy covert operations. And they're controlled by the flow council. The flow council controls their galaxy. So and some of the stuff they have to do is just just downright gritty, mm-hmm. but they must serve five year sentence on the ship, like like Star Trek five year mission. Mm-hmm. There's a five year sentence, so they have to complete all these assignments in five years. If not, they get hunted down and killed. Wow. Yeah. So it's it so think of it as the elements of, of Star Trek and Star Wars, but the mix of Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. That's who they pretty much are. Mm-hmm. And and the captain, his name is Captain Hernandez. He's the final, he's the first Latino Starship captain of any one series. So for him, who he is, he breaks the mold of, at least in history, of the first, the first main character as a Starship captain. Yeah. And and he has no access to the crew members, all their records, he has no access to it whatsoever. All their past crimes, everything he did, he has no access to it. He just have to work, have them work together as a family to try to get through the missions. So how do you come up with these ideas? Like, oof, scary. Um, my brain thinks like a movie. Everything I see is movie style. 
And I got struck by lightning about, oh God, it's been 17 years ago. And ever since then, everything plays in my head like a movie. I can't wait, explain wait, why, but it does. You've been, you know, um, what's the word? Um, Touched. <laughs> you weren't really struck by lightning. It yes. Was, you really were. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, because yeah, yeah. at first when you said it, I thought you were just you know being oh, hyper- no. hyperbolic, oh, no, but, no. but this 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 real I'm god looking at your god-like face and I'm like, oh yeah. no, he's serious. Okay. Oh, I'm serious. This is, this is godlike stuff. Wow. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, so the shot hit the umbrella, and everything, everything to seem time seemed to slow down just like by millisecond, mm. and the umbrella was twirling in my hand. It was on fire, and it fell, and people around me said, "Dude, you okay?" I said, "What the hell just happened, dude? You were bright." <laughs> I said, oh shit and i felt the thing on my hand I didn't, but ever since then i had one nightmare after that lightning strike never had a nightmare ever again but everything played as a movie in, in, in the dream and now i have full recall on wow. most dreams i have so my brain kind of rewired itself and the lightning strike most likely that's so crazy and it's a it is a freaky nightmare i have never i don't think i'll ever have that ever again but it woke me up and said, this is your ability, accept it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. So you said um, the main, the captain is Hispanic. Um, mm-hmm. You have you have a partner that you collaborated with. Your, um, yeah, Miles Simon. Miles Simon. Yeah. And you guys met at, at um, San Diego. Comic yeah, well, me, well, I say we, we met physically at San Diego, but we actually met online first. He, he picked up one of my books. And he loved it. He asked, what what, what, do you, what else are you working on? Well, I have a, a concept of an idea of a sci-fi thing. And he said, can I take a look at it? I said, okay. So I, I gave him the first couple chapters. He said, Eric, I love it. Can I mess with this, please? I said, okay. So when I got it back, I was like, oh, oh, you got the vibe. Yeah, he got the vibe also. Then we went to San Diego. We first met there. We met, we went to a... Um, a writers and artists gathering that was part of San Diego Comic Con. So it was, a, it was a, in the, uh, one of one of the offshoot rooms. It was almost like dating. So it was like mm-hmm. a writer being an artist at a table, and you're pitching your idea to them, and they're showing you what they can do draw wise. And we met um, Donovan uh, Peterson, and he was our concept artist for Star Enforcers. And he did a kick ass job. To make a whole new galaxy, a whole new world, everything else. And we have even the, there's a gloss in the back of the book of the characters, the ships, the technology. It, we we went full out with the with Star Enforcers. Yeah. That's yeah. always nice. When oh, yeah. That. Uh, you got a couple of other ones that are interesting. Um, Merge yeah. and, and, and Greenville Triangle. Now, Greenville Triangle, that's that's a you called it a Novik. Yeah. So, OK. Yeah. So here's the fun thing about Night Seeker. When the first book came out, it was all text only. And then people said, Eric, every time I read the book, it's still I'm reading a movie. It's not a typical novel the way it's set up. I said, like, where's the pictures at? I said, I'm not really an artist. I could I could mess around a little bit, but I'm not really like that. He said, well, you go to enough conventions. Why don't you find artists that might want to work on a book? So I said, okay, let me, let me do my, my work. So I met a couple artists here and there, got about 10 guys together. And I said, well, look, I'm going to give you a chapter. I want you to read it and do an illustration, which you think you kind of read, kind of give a synopsis of, of the chapter. So they went to work, did their thing. 
And I got some some great reserves back. I, I had to change a couple of things here and there, but most guys had the idea what I was trying to do. So that was for Night Seeker 2. When Night Seeker 3 came out, I had an art director. His name was Sean Eileen. And we fine-tuned what we wanted to, wanted to have the guys draw. And that once I did that, we started calling a caption novel. Mm-hmm. Now we go to Greenville Triangle. I said, I need to do something a little different now. So instead of just a picture in each chapter to give you an idea of what's happening in a chapter, we now have comic book illustrations as panels that goes along in the book and certain parts of the book. So now we call it a novic. So a mixture of comic and a, a novel at the same time. Mm-hmm. So this is my format for the rest of my books I do from here on out. That's my format now. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. I, okay, so I got a couple more questions. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm trying to figure out which one, which way I want to go first. But so you know, you, you're talking about building out um, like this Novic approach. Um, mm-hmm. You you're on Amazon. Um, do you are do you envision outside of the this Novic approach anything like any other types of mediums? You know, like people venturing out into like audio formats. Yeah, or... I, I do want to do. I, I tried the audio book a while ago, um, but the only thing. It, this was this was back oh god probably back in 2009 the only issue i i I did have people do their own recordings and when i was putting everything together because everyone had different sound equipment and we put together it just created too much feedback noise or problems with that now to know the technology is a little more streamlined to do audio recordings now so i probably will go i'll probably venture back into that once that once i get to once i get to vegas I'll probably set up like a studio to have guys come in and do their recordings. That that's that I'll, I'll be working on that starting pr- pretty much at the end of 2023, probably. Okay. Uh, but yes, I do want to go on that. But mainly, my main thing is this: I want to be that guy that's on a a board that greenlights movies. That's okay. that that would be my main focal point. I want to be at as time goes on later on in life. I want to be that guy. So he's the guy that says the movie's gonna be good. He'll 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 back it. I don't, I want to be that guy. Okay. That says, I know it's going to be good. I know it's going to kick ass. Let's do it. So I won't be that guy. But right now, I do want to have my own movie for Night Seeker and the other characters that I do have. But Night Seeker is the main. He's almost like my Spider-Man from my world. He's he's my main, my main pendulum of, of characters. He, he's he's him. Gotcha. Yeah. Had, did you hear about um, AWA Studios and they they created this uh, Creative Council, and so that's like their their main purposes. Um, and like Hudlin's is a part of the group and, and they're trying to um, build. But it's not Milestone. No, no, no. Okay. It's not. Okay. It's not I've heard, no, I've heard about the council. No, I haven't. Yeah. I have some, something new that was just in the news. I thought it was interesting to see what, see what they could A couple, couple of days ago that you found out about this? Or? Within, the, within the past week, I'd say. Okay. I, yeah. I'll, look, I'll look at that. I'll look at yeah. that. Interesting. We'll see. We'll yeah. see what they do with that. But yeah. yeah. Um. So. On on Amazon, I believe your books are you know you buy the books yeah physical books yes do you do, you do any e publishing that when I once I move move my location I'll be I'll be I'll be putting everything into digital format okay yeah that, that, that's coming that's coming so <laughs> what has been your so okay with with Amazon Barnes and Nobles yeah you know a lot of the feedback I get um, particularly those that I meet at conventions is that mm-hmm you know, it's the necessary evil or something to that effect. I just wanted to get your take if you have anything to say about that. If you Well, I still look for a distributor for people of color content that can really stand out for getting our work out there into Mars Noble, the comic book shops, 
you know, I'm, I'm looking for that black owned distributor that can say, look, I, I have the connections to get just dispersed out anything you want dispersed out to any store. Mm-hmm. That that that's it's pretty much we, we gotta own our own stuff. That's the main thing. We we gotta stop going to the to those guys and have our own particular source of distribution. That's yeah. what we need. Yeah, working on it. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. Um man. Um before before we we close up the interview. Yeah, I wanna, half hour I, almost done, ain't it? That's yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to make sure that the listeners um know how to reach you and how to, you know, learn more about your projects and things you're working on. Um, sure. so how, how would you want them to do that? So mainly I'm on both Facebook and Instagram. Um, just type in Eric uh, with a C though, not not a K. So Eric.cooper.353. That's both my Instagram and also my Facebook account. Um, my main con is I own the con, so the con is in my name. So um black label comic con.com. You know, um, you put the two C's in there or, or just one C, all, all the all the domains link to me anyway. Nice. I answer all my emails and as long as not spam, of course. Um, but no, anyone that needs to get a hold of me for any ideas about any counseling or writing, I, I do I do counsel other writers as well. I do seminars, I do career day stuff. Um, you know, if someone's at a special function to do a book signing, I have no problem doing that. As long as it's kind of local, I can do it. Um, but yeah, I I'm always reachable, I'm always around. I don't hide. I do not hide. <laughs> um, and the Black Comic Con is coming back this in 2020. Yeah. Uh, so, three. yeah. Yeah, 23. So I already signed a contract before I thought about even moving. That's before then. I already signed a contract. So it's going to be um, August 12th. It's going to be at the Clarion Hotel near the Philadelphia airport. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we were there. Um, we were there this year. We had a great time, a great venue. Uh, we, we plan to do it again. Uh, different different uh, other special guests will be coming into the show also, um, but yeah, we're gonna do it up. It, it's it's really it really is a nice place. I I can't sad to leave it though, but um, but this is my last show for next year. We're, we're gonna do it out. Nice. So oh, yeah. oh man, so are you gonna is it gonna move to Vegas with you? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Well, there, there's really no there's really no black niche really in Vegas. Not from what I see. Not yet. So I kind of got kind of got the air to myself. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. Hey, Eric, man, it's been great. Uh, Jeffrey, glad, man, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate I'm glad, it. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to connect. I'm looking forward. I'm sure I'm going to be seeing you around, man. Oh, yeah. Is I want another interview, let me know. I'm, I'm around for it. All right. Likewise, if you know, if you got something coming up, uh, like a new, another Kickstarter or anything like that. Oh, hey, I'll let you know. Definitely. Definitely let us know. Hey, man, enjoy your weekend, man. You too. Take it right, easy. Be safe. Thanks, Bye. man. Peace. All right, everybody, that's our show. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at issues.on.issues, YouTube at issues on issues, and Twitter at comics underscore issues. We'd love to hear from you, so email us at comics at brilliance.io. Please like, share, and subscribe to our show to continue the conversation. This podcast was edited by Britt. Special thanks to him for putting this all together.